Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So when you heard rebuilding the reins, and I just want to sample something that will help us through for the rest of the conference, everyone who will speak. I want, you to, I want to paint a picture for you that you keep at the back of your mind. You know, because I studied uh, language, I tried to break it down so that we all have a shared understanding. I want to check what the word rebuild means. And, and I'm very deliberate about this, so please just follow me closely. It says to build something again after it has been damaged or destroyed. So there's to build, which is a fresh build. But rebuilding means there wasn't something in existence which was damaged or destroyed, and you are rebuilding it. You are building it again. And so what that tells me straight away is what God is highlighting in this time and in this season. It's not just new things. You know, we love new things as human beings. I, I want the new. God is not a God of just new, new, new. If not, it's not like all those things you buy and just discard and just buy a new one. God likes to use what is there. So when he comes to the widow with a cruise of oil, he says, what do you have in your house? She says, nothing. Except, that tells you she's discountenance. That thing is nothing. Because in those days, even if you are poor, you had to have oil. Because oil was used for cooking, it was used for light, it was used for all kinds of things. So even if you didn't have anything, you had to have small oil. It's like today, kerosene. No how, no how. You must have kerosene. You know, some of you are too touched, so you don't use kerosene anymore. Uh, kerosene, if you want to cook kerosene, to light lamp, kerosene. So even if you don't have money, you will need kerosene. No matter one shot, you need kerosene. That's the kind of thing. See, God will not work with, he won't just manufacture new things, which is the way we think. He will always use what is there. You must seed something for there to be an outcome. And so, I want you to keep that at the back of your mind. We're talking about rebuilding. Not just building. Rebuilding. So there are paradigms, there are mindsets, there are attitudes that God needs to work on. That's what you're here for. The second word is the ruins. Ruins speak of the remains of a building that is typically an old one that has suffered much damage or disintegration. Again, something has gone wrong and it is being made right. So when you put that thing together, what we're here about, because, and I, and I highlight this because there's a difference between building and rebuilding. And you need to understand the basic difference. God is not highlighting new things. Everything God has been speaking in the last two years is about recalibrating, realignment, restoring, renewing. There's re in everything God has been highlighting in the last two years. So it's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's looking at what bringing to him and he recalibrating and using you the way he wants. I mean, Pastor is spot on. Everybody wants to come to God the way they feel. So you just see most people are doing cut and paste. I like Pastor Mo. I like Pastor Isi. I just take this part, this part, and that's who I become. It's not like that. God didn't call you based on what you like. He calls you for a specific purpose. And as long as you fulfill that, you walk. If you don't, he can't use you. 
Amen. So please keep that at the back of your mind when everybody's speaking through this conference because that's what God seems to be highlighting. And your mindset is what is important. So I'm speaking about the road less traveled. You know, I always joke with Pastor Mo that he will always give me exotic title. <laughs> I'm a very simple person. But believe God gave me something that I would, I would discharge today. Because there are many aspects to what God, what's in God's mind about what he wants to do in people. You see, the currency of God is people. It's people. And no matter, if you have a down and out believer who is totally messed up and all that, there's a spark in that person that once God connects to, that person will move mountains. So don't write off anyone. Don't write yourself off. I don't know where you are, but I felt strongly that there are a lot of broken people who are going to be here, either here or watching online, that God wants to bring back, wants to heighten your understanding of who you are in him. Not who you are, as people see, but who he has called you to be. And so the first thing I want to deal with, you know, in, in building, one of the most critical things about construction is the foundation. The kind of building you're going to make, um, um, execute determines the kind of foundation you need. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. If you say to God, Lord, I want you to use me powerfully, the foundation he will build in you is not the same as the one who just wants to come to God and just be born again. You definitely can't have the same foundation. So when you see a Joseph, a David, and God uses them the way he used them, check what their foundations were. Both of them spent at least 15, 16 years in the wrong place. David running as a fugitive. He was crowned, king. I was anointed king, but spent the next 13, 14, 15 years running. Joseph had the vision of being great and powerful that even his family will bow to him. But he spent the next 16 years in prison, in slavery, away from home, broken, dejected. And all that is in the mind and the scheme of God. So be careful what you ask for. Because God has a commensurate foundation that needs to be built. And what the issue is in today's world is that most of our foundations are faulty. That is the problem. So if you're going to build a 10-story building and you build, you have a foundation that can carry a bungalow, the minute you pass floor two, that building will collapse because the foundation can't carry it. I remember I schooled in Benin. And one characteristic of Benin those days was you just see Everywhere, apart from the fact that you see everywhere, food is ready, food is ready, food is ready. <laughs> but one thing you will see is there are many houses with decking. They don't build it decking. And then it will be there for the next five, ten years, nothing. Because they planned to take it 
maybe two floors, and you just do one in five years, then another floor in another five years. But the question I always used to ask is, was the foundation built to carry? Because what happens is, as your money reach, you go do. Forgive me, I speak pigeon a lot. You know, you guys are too for me, so I have to. But what you have is what determines how you build a foundation. And that can be a problem. Because if you build anything past, so maybe the intention was, I don't have this, let me just build this. And your foundation could carry a bungalow. The minute you go past that bungalow level, you're already in trouble. And it's just a matter of time. And then the building will either begin to have cracks or you begin to see it. In fact, I look at houses now. I'm not a builder. But I just see a house and say, there's something wrong with this house. As they're building it, nowadays, people just rush. They don't take the trouble to... Hello, Eva. <laughs> they don't take the trouble to put things in place. So, for instance, if you're building on this part of town, one of the things you must do is put damp proof before you cast anything. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing mold. That's why a lot of homes have that. People don't want to do that extra because it costs. You need to build a raft foundation because there will always be movement when you have swampy area and it takes time for the, for the, for the, for the, the, the structure to settle. A home, a, a house you build in a raft foundation will take about five years to really settle. So you will see, that's why you see some houses, cracks will come, the building will just be looking like this, like that, because they didn't take the trouble. I'm deliberately going slowly, so you catch what I'm saying. Foundations are what is important. And many of our foundations are faulty. That is the starting point in the rebuilding process. And I want to emphasize this because you know, when you, what you hear judges you, and when God starts rebuilding, don't be surprised if he takes everything down. Because when you start building a structure and it has a wrong foundation, you can't, you, there's no, if you have built it, there's nothing you can do. You have to bring it down to take it back up. For many of us, that's what God is going to do. And so you need to be ready for that. Some scriptures, Psalm 11. Always be able to test anything anyone says by scripture. That's why it's a word conference. I can come and talk many things, plenty nice sounding things. If it doesn't check out in scripture, discard. Always test in scripture. Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations are destroyed... It says, what can the righteous do? That means it's a hopeless case. If there's destruction to the foundation, then everything else is wasted. As Chi Girl would say, it's a waste. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15. This is Paul speaking. He says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. He says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. I pause. He says, I have the grace to build the foundation. 
and anyone can build on top of it. But not everyone can build a foundation. That's what it means. And that's why you should be deliberate about foundations. Because if you get it wrong there, everything else is wrong. So many of us are struggling. We have a desire to serve God with such fervor. But somehow things just, issues of life, somehow things just don't seem to add up. You need to go back to foundations. And I think that's what God is highlighting in this time. Verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Since but he himself will be saved, yet as one who has gone through fire, meaning he will be scarred. The building process is not something you take lightly. There's precedence. You know, in, 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 you must go through class one to go to two and three. You can't just jump. Those days of double promotion, forget it. The syllabus today is too deep to be doing double promotion. Allow the child to go through. Don't be doing, it's too old. Like, yeah, let the child go through. Because there are many adult children who mature, haven't matured. They are mature in, in maths and science, but in behavior, they haven't matured. Sorry, madam, I asked them to look for you. Yeah. Yes, ask them to look for you because right from the beginning, the Holy Spirit highlighted you and I was just wondering what. And he said, it's like there's a posture when you come for these kinds of meetings. And that's what I was trying to get to, but I was waiting for her before I said it. There's a posture when you come for these meetings that is needed. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, she has that posture. She's coming desiring me with a deliberateness. I don't know you. And then it seemed to say that she needs to watch me closely in this program. That just like Elijah said to Elisha, Elisha said, I want a double portion. He said, if you see me when I go, then you have what you want. So I felt God literally saying, if you see me, you will have what you are coming to me for. It's not that you're asking for things. There's a desire for God that you have that he wants to address. And not long after that, you left. You went out. So I kept looking. So I just said to give you that, that while you're here, be here. Because there are things we come to God for. And what is needful is just, you know, when you come to God, like Pastor Mo said, throw the watch away. It's not about time. I have this time. Let me just come and expect you to come. God, is, he has a very good sense of humor. He'll just be drumming his hands on the table. When you have gone, he will continue. We'll wait for you. When you come, you will start again. He will start, the clock will go back. So he's only going to tell you when he's ready. But if you think he's within your own time, forget it. 
So you will keep repeating the exam until he feels you have passed. That's why in this whole thing about rebuilding, be ready. Because there are things God is, sometimes it will frustrate you. You feel so frustrated. But you are the one frustrating yourself. Remember Moses went to get the Ten Commandments. He spent 40 days with God. And then he came down and saw the people. They were not patient. Even Aaron, his brother. You know, we can lie, you He said, how did this calf come? He said, I don't know. Just threw the gold inside the fire. It came out as a calf. Something is I can Abba. You have to shape it. <laughs> Goldsmith work is not a throw fire, come out. <laughs> and Moses was upset. He just threw the thing down and went back. I think he was tired. He just needed to go back for another 40-day experience. You don't go in with a, a plan when you go to God. You just go in. Because when you get in there, what you see is different from what you're expecting. Because you are so overwhelmed by God if you get in there that your agenda just flies out of the window and all you just want is to receive of him. So I was saying that many people have foundation flaws and it's every one of us. They're flaws. There's like an emptiness as they're like a void and only God can fill that place and what he is highlighting in this time is those things that he wants to begin to correct them so you see it's like when you treat if I, if I come to a doctor and say I have a fever my, you know a lot of people self medicate so they just go and buy malaria medicine and take a fever can come from different things you have a, an infection it will create a fever you have COVID it can give you a fever you can have typhoid, it will give you a fever. You can have malaria, it will give you a fever. So you don't just go and start medicating. You go and check what it could be so that you deal with the root, not the symptoms. Most of us come to God with a symptom mindset. This is my problem. I don't have money. I need money. Like I said to people, I learned to pray. My rent is due. So you have already coded it that that promotion I've been expecting, if, they, if I get promoted, the money on top will cover the rent. So you start praying for promotion. It's wrong prayer. Lord, I need rent. I need a house. He can do what you've said, or he can raise someone to give you that money, or he can give you a house. So like late Pastor Esco would say, he says, yeah, God wants to give you a Benz. You are praying for a Kada. Many times we limit God. And so God wants to cure our foundations. You know, if a building is structurally defective from the foundation, there are some that you don't have to bring down the building. You have, they, they do what you call curing the foundation because you now need to treat it. Reinforce with concrete in certain areas, do certain things, and then the building can carry for some, you have to bring it down. So I feel for these two days we're here, your heart is going to be under a lot of 
work from God. When I sat down last night and I was just trying to process scripture that just kept hitting me is Ezekiel 36. And that's why I know that God is going to deal with hearts a lot. And his figures, when you're talking of foundations, it's really about your heart. Ezekiel 36, I'll read 24 to 28. And this is God speaking to Israel at a time where they've gone through all manner of, you know, all their bad behavior, they get going to captivity. He says, I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all countries and I will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And then 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit upon, within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. You know, it wasn't in the New Testament that the Spirit was dwelling in us. It has always been in God's mind. He says, I will put my Spirit within you. And you know what distinguishes the old from the new? Is that the Spirit would come upon you in the old. In the new, it dwells in you. Our mommy, welcome. <laughs> I felt God is saying that people who are broken, who feel unfulfilled, who feel a sense of being directionless, who feel empty, that he's going to restore in these two days. That's why I say, open yourself. Because there are certain surgeries that only God can do. The, the most difficult surgery is the surgery of the heart. And I mean, not the physical heart, but the heart. The heart says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Your emotions, your feelings, everything about you is stored there. Your soul. And the thing that God values is your soul. What does it profit a man if he loses, gains the whole world and loses his soul? Satan came to try Job. He said, you can touch all he has. Then you can touch his body, but do not touch his soul. That is what God values. And it's all about the heart. So the heart is up in these two days. Keep yourself open. The things God is going to do is going to begin to highlight things through what everyone will speak. He's going to highlight things. Be open and be ready to shift. Because that's how rebuilding starts. And he will not force anything on you. You have to be ready. You hear, you do. Just shut your eyes. Lay your hands on your heart.
Lord, these are our hearts. We open them to you. Work in us like only you can. Those deep-seated emotions, those pains, those limitations, those constraints that hold us back from becoming all that you want us to, Lord, address them here. Receive your touch. We receive your touch. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I feel such a gentle presence. In fact, at a point in worship, I began to wonder whether there was air freshener sprayed in the place because I, I perceived the fragrance. It was exactly at the point where before Victor took over, where after we learned that song, it was exactly at that point when they transitioned. I just looked around as if it was there. I started looking whether there was a dispenser or something. I felt a fragrance. And I don't smell too well except it's strong. Don't worry, it's not COVID. It's me. That's how I've been for years. <laughs> so I know that there are things God is doing here. You see, you must realize that when you set yourself to come to some, either to pray, to a program, God is there before you. So when you go late to something, you deprive, there's a blessing in those who come early. I'll never forget years ago, we had a vigil and we would spend time praying. It was like a workers training vigil. So we were all being trained. And the vigil would be from like 12 and 12 to like 5, 6. And then some of us would have to come and pray from 10 to 12. So one particular day, by the time we finished praying at 12, I felt the vigil was over. There's nothing they said that day that I hadn't picked. That's when I understood that there's a blessing in coming early. You pick something that others will struggle to pick. Or there's a bonus that comes. Follow me closely, please. Because sometimes I tend to go like this. I write one thing, the thing goes a different way. So just follow me as I'm going because it must be God carrying me there. Now, I want to deal quickly with... Please, Pastor, how many moments do I have? So I want to just manage the time. 20, 30, 30. I want to use... You know, again, I go back... My, my topic is the road less traveled. Please keep that at the back of your mind. I will get there, but you might hear certain things, and I will tie it up in that place. There are two characters, two stories I want to, I want to deal with to highlight... I feel very strongly, and that's why rebuilding is very deep, resonating so deeply with me. Because God wants to rebuild. It's not building, and I emphasize it again. He's rebuilding. That means he's going to take what was there and walk with that. He's not building new things. The dispensation we live in, I smell that fragrance again. Karabosha. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
So I know that there there are people who have a lot of like I said faulty foundations things how I came to Christ I always had this notion that you needed to be perfect to walk with Jesus I came from an Anglican background I hardly used to go to church but I, I decided in my late 20s to just get serious with God and, and all it started was I didn't used to go to church, maybe Christmas, Easter, you know, those periods, watch night service. So I determined that year I'm going to start going to church regularly. And I remember it was in All Saints Church, Yaba. The person who preached at that watch night service said, look, when you make a resolution, we make New Year resolutions and we break them within a, a few days. He says, don't be ambitious. Don't set one major target. Just do something simple that you can keep going that what is important is to keep doing it over and over till you become good at it. And so I said, okay, I'll be coming to church every Sunday. Then I said, uh, you, to wake up and come for 10 o'clock service, by 11 you'll still be sleeping. How will you do it? You just wake up and say. So I said, okay, let's arrange ourselves well and see how we'll do this thing in line with what he said. And what I did was, I was 27 then, had not done confirmation all the years. It was a fight my mother and I had over the years. I just said, every time you had 10, 11, thereabouts, you do confirmation. I said, I'm not going to do it. I want to know what I'm doing. She said, what do you mean? Everybody's doing it. I said, hey, I don't know. I want. I was, what did I know? But I just thought, I need to know what I'm doing. And that's why I refused to. She couldn't understand it. First, I said, I'm not doing We dragged this thing for years. I just didn't do it. But that day, I just said, I'm going to sign up for confirmation classes, which I did. Maybe that will help me be coming to church more because I was looking at a practical way. And we must do that. We hear big words, word of prophecy, and you just want to walk in it. It's not like that. You need to work it. You need to steward it. You can't just wake up and it happens. So I, I signed up for those classes. I was at Baya. There were two of us. The rest were like 10 years old. Then you just see us, Papa and Mama. You just think we're the ones, the class monitor. <laughs> I remember the first day that the reverend took us. He says, the Bible is the word of God. That if you, when you open it to read, don't read it like a storybook. He said, Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open down my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your law. And he says, pray that before you read the scripture. And I took it to heart. A lot of what I know in scripture came from that. I will go to church, they will confirm what I just read. Rather than learning from what that sign posted my walk in the early days. And that's how I started, after the confirmation, I was lost. What do I do? That's how God led me to one worship program. As I entered the place, it was like, that was a Papa Parish. It was like heaven. You know, I've always liked music. It was like, this is this is <laughs> And the funny thing, service started at nine. 
the one I'm struggling to go for at 10, I would make that one at 9. So I was vacillating between the two. Until one day, a man came to preach in that service. His name was Justice, late Justice Abel Tyre. It was April 18, 1994. I remember the day. I don't know what he said. But my mindset had been, you cannot come to God except you're perfect. So I, would, I had a healthy respect for any pastor, reverend. I just felt these are solid people. But then you go for a party after dedication, they'll drink beer with you. So I just thought there's a problem here. But I still felt I cannot be perfect. I don't know what that man said that day, but all I heard was, God does not want you to come to him perfect. Come as you are, and he will make you perfect. I just found myself in front. That thing brought release to me. And that has signposted my walk with God. I do not try to be perfect. I am not perfect. I am not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to come to him. He will make me perfect. Very simple. It's such a relief. Because sometimes we put ourselves under pressure trying to be perfect. He didn't send you to that. You said, come as you are. And so he's calling people today who are walking in condemnation about faulty foundations, about secret things you've kept and that limit you and hinder you. And he wants to address them. He wants to restore the foundations. God will help me to deal. <laughs> Let me quickly look at the two characters. The first one is in Joshua chapter 2. And that is Rahab. What was Rahab's profession? She was a prostitute. I'm going to read a few verses just to cut short. I'll read verse 1. I'll read verses 8 to 14. Just context. I know we know the story. Israel was going to, in the time of Joshua, they were going to take Jericho. God says now, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from the Acacia Grove, or Shittim, to spy secretly, saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. He says, so they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Pause. You are going to look for a land. Why are you going to Brother? You know, I, <laughs> I don't know if you read Bible like me. Ask questions. I'm wondering why they say go and check the land. At least in Moses' time, when they went, they brought back fruits. They brought back things. You know, they went around the farms. These ones went to Brother. They didn't go to hotel. Brother. I don't understand. <laughs> oh boy. Verse 8 says, Now, and you know, the, what happened be between 1 and 8 is that they heard that there were some men who came from Israel. And the king sent, to, they went to Rahab's house, sent to house. Where are those men? And she just told them they have gone, this, that, that. She hit them up. So in verse 8, she says, Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord, now the word there, if you check it, is Jehovah. A heathen understands Jehovah because it says Jehovah, we call it anyhow, 
they could not call that name. The Hebrews could not call that name. They couldn't call Jehovah, Yahweh. They couldn't. It was sacrilege to call the name. So, what people would call, where I'm going is, how did she know Jehovah? How did she know? Because they don't even call his name. They just refer to the God. But she said, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh. Keep that thought. He says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Pause. You are not talking of yourself. You are saying, everybody with me, save them. You know you don't deserve to be saved. So at least you will beg for yourself. You are begging for everybody. Chibodo. Verse 14 says, so the men answered her, our lives for your lives. You know, in those days, they didn't say, mm, I swear. That's what it means. That means our lives will be taken for your lives if anything happens, contrary to what we've said. That's an oath. It says, our lives for your lives or for yours, if none of you tell this business of us. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And we see that that's what happened. She let them by, down by a scarlet rope and they went. And when they came, Joshua said, go and bring Rahab, her father, her mother, and all that they have and bring them out and then destroy the city. And they did that. And he says she lived with them in Israel. I'm highlighting foundations that are faulty. It can't be more faulty than being a prostitute. And she was wealthy. She had made wealth from that because it says her house was on the wall. So the wall was like Lekki, Vi, Banana Island in those days. You had to be wealthy to build on the wall. So she had made wealth from this thing. But yet, God could honor her request. The only other person I've seen like that is Paul, when he was going to be shipwrecked. He says, the angel has said, all of you will be saved. None of you will be lost because of me. God gave Asheo that. I had to call the name Ray so that you put it in context. Give her that same privilege. What is your issue that has hindered you from letting God walk with, in, and with you? Today, the Lord will rest those things. 
Hebrews 11, verses 30 and 31, just to show who Rahab was. Because you only see her there and in a couple of places. And that's it. It says, verse 30, it says, by faith. I know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. Everything faith, by faith, by faith. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And then by faith, the harlot, he writes it there again, harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. What is faithful about that? But go back to what I said. The Lord. She kept saying the Lord at least two times in that scripture. There's something she knew about that God. Even if she wasn't a Jew, she knew that God. Remember Abraham that we say, Father Abraham, was called out of idol worship. God can call anybody. I'm here today. I told you my story. It was when I was not, I was not looking for, God called me. I'm, I'm so clear about certain things because I look back on certain things and know it was God. I never, I mean, we all tried to smoke in over the years, but I never smoked. But both my parents were chain smokers. So it would have been an easy thing to smoke. But I just somehow didn't. When I was in university, <laughs> Pastor Kanema and I, we used to DJ a lot. So the happening parties, we DJed in them. But I had a code that most, quite a few of my friends were in cults. But I won't, I can DJ for your party, but not your cult party. Where did I get those kinds of values? I don't know. But I was very strict about them. What did I know? I was not born again. I didn't know God in any way. So I know that it's not where you are. And I'm, I'm highlighting this so that you know it's not where you are or where you think you are that matters. It's where God says you are and where you are going to in him. So I feel today some people need to release that thing that's been holding you chained. It's in the mind. Because God doesn't see you the way you see yourself or you think you are. The way he sees you. Remember, he says, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ came and died for us. It wasn't when we were perfect. It wasn't when we were doing good. It was when we were sinners. And we stoned him, berated him, and crucified him. But yet, he went to the cross knowing what he was doing. Because we are valuable. Matthew 1.5 Final thing on Rahab. This prostitute who said, the Bible says by, fi, by faith. It says in the genealogy of Jesus, it says Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And it was Jesse who begot David. So Rahab Asheo was David's great, great grandmother. What honor can that be? 
someone who started out as seemingly nothing, God can use in such a powerful way that when we all read scriptures, if the world tarries 10,000 years, you'll be reading about Rahab. What is that thing that is holding you back? I'm thinking God can't use you. He can use anything. He can use anyone. Just release yourself. Quickly, second thing. Luke 7. And it's the woman with the alabaster box that I want to deal with. You know, in the Gospels, you will see this story in the book of Matthew. I think it's Matthew 26. You see it in the book of Mark. Then you see it in this book of Luke. And you see a similar one in the book of John. But that one was talking about Lazarus' sister Mary. And so, just do some study. Let me give you an assignment. Is this lady the alabaster box? Is she Mary, Lazarus' sister? Or is she Mary Magdalene? Who God, Jesus cast out seven demons from? Or is she somebody else? Go figure. That's the assignment, and I will ask you the answer tomorrow. So if you like, don't go and check it. <laughs> but you see, in um, the basic difference between the Matthew and Mark um, versions and the Luke version, and it's the same person they are speaking to, because in those two, it said the woman came. It was the house of Simon the leper, right? And he says she came, broke the alabaster box, and poured on his head. And then the disciples were like, what kind of waste is this? These things would have sold it for 300 denarii and um, um, given it to the poor. And immediately after that, Judas now went to tell the chief priest, in fact, I'm ready. Because he must have been calculating the 300 denarii. This, they are just depriving me of what I have that chop. So let me just go and collect. But in the Luke version, which we'll see, there's a slight difference. But how you know it's the same person is because his name is Simon. And let me take it from verse 36. I'll read 36 to 38. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And he says, And behold, a woman in the city. Sorry, give me a second. A woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and she, and she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And verse um, 30... It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he was a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she's a sinner. Likely she was a prostitute too. And says, Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, that's why I said I know he's the same person. I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And gave him a, 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 a parable about a certain creditor who had two debtors. One was 500K, the other was 5K. And he said, forgive both of them. He said, who would be more um, grateful? 
He says, the one who will forgive higher. And in verse 43, the second part, he says, and he said to him, he says, uh, I suppose the one, okay, sorry. He says, I said to him, you have rightly judged. He says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is given, the same loves little. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. Let me pick one aspect of the Mark, Matthew or Mark version, which he didn't um, pick in that one. Matthew 26. Taking it from like verse 10. This is when the disciples were grumbling about the money they would have gotten. He says, when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Again, this is a person who, no pedigree, but we read scripture today and for eternity and she will, what she did will always be remembered because she did the embalming of Jesus. Jesus was never embalmed. So when he spoke this, he was prophetically saying, this is my embalmment for my death. Because they never embalmed him. They just put his body and came and found nobody. Again, what honor to someone who seemingly we would discount and say this one can be anything, can't amount to much. But God looks upon the heart. Only she knows what she had been through. And I love Sissy Wynan's song of Alabaster Box. It just, it just, it, it cuts you to the heart. It says you don't know the cost of the oil. Only she knows. Only she knows. For your assignment, read John 12, where it described Mary, the sister of, he says, because he says he went to the house in Bethany. This place is not Bethany. Oh, I'm giving you expo. Ah. But you see, sometimes you sit down and look at arguments and wonder why they happen. And you need to drill down yourself to understand. Because if you read that one, you see where it says Mary came and used fragrant oil and washed his feet. And then the, the disciples were saying, why are you wasting this thing? It would have cost, got us 300 dinari. It's the same thing. So you would easily think that it's the same person. So that person is Mary. So she must be Mary Magdalene, who's seven demons, and you just wrap it up. Because those are, even Pope, was it Pope Gregory, came out and said it. That it's, 
So we've taken it out. But I did a simple check. The story of Mary, Magd Mary um, Lazarus' brother was two days before Passover. No, six days before Passover. And this other one is two days before Passover. Simple thing. Just broke it for me. Study your Bible. Don't let people be leading you. Just, we just get into arguments for no reason. By yourself, read it. You will find it. Just last night, I was just reading it. And I just said, okay, pa, 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 finish. And I'm thinking, just like that. That's why I know that if you have a spirit of diligence, there are things God is going to do in you and through you that even you will be shocked. What I see in these two women is the potency of the recovery power of God to restore beyond compare. Nobody would ever have given any of these two women a fighting chance to even be saved. You, you know, the scripture talks about being scarcely saved. How much more being used the way they were used? What's your issue? Is nothing. For me, this really illustrates that concept of the road less traveled. Because the road less traveled means something that is unconventional. Something that is not the norm. And scripture fits perfectly in that direction. Many are called, but few are chosen. Because those ones choose to swim against the tide. If these women came to our church today, every, if they sat there, everybody will move this way. They came dressed like them when they go to Quillox. They came there now, some people just move as if they have COVID. God is working on, on using unconventional things and people and circumstances. I was reading Lana's last, and she was talking about not despising the things, the patterns you see, because God is beginning to walk in things that don't seem like. So be careful not to criticize, because it doesn't look like. Because he's going to upturn and upstage what you're used to and begin to do things. I've had that for a while. That's why I know that the move of the big churches is gone. God is going to be using people who are Rahab's and the Alabaster Box woman in everyday life. But he has to prepare them. He has to rebuild them for them to not only be relevant, but to be effective. Because think of it. How are you going to minister to an LGBTQ, the Q part, that thinks one different way? How would you, in your normalcy, how do you think you can appeal to the person? You will argue there's one black American guy who always likes going to preach in places and be fighting everybody. You're creating problems. 
I saw him when he went to one gay pride and started preaching there. He went to Canada. Did, I'm thinking this guy, God had to have sent you. He takes everything on. And he's very, no, he's not fighting anybody, just speaking and conversational. He give you a mic, you talk, you talk. They fight, they give you a mic, you talk. And I'm thinking, how can you reach people like that? One, he, he will use people like that to turn. Someone who, are, you know, tattoos. If you are a tattoo person and you come to Christ, you can't remove the tattoo. But we will look at the person. Hmm, it cannot be. Don't be quick to judge. Because that person, the fire, God, there's this pastor in, um, I think in California. <laughs> Guy is hot. He's tattooed fully. So the tattoo person will come and feel comfortable. But if he sees you, Pastor Moon dressed in his suit, empty eyes, yeah, they can't accept me here. But you see, tattoo, okay, I, I just kindred somebody. <laughs> no, but, but let, let's be real. The truth is, God uses people. You're going to, don't do, uh, uh, because you, the word will judge you, you know, you know. Don't try yourself. <laughs> God uses the broken to repair the broken. That's why the best person who can deal with a drug addict is one who has been through that. I can pray for you to break the thing, but the person knows how the Johnson will be. He knows that there are practical things he can tell you and pray with you that will help you better than me. A rape victim is the best person to minister to a rape victim because they know the stigma it comes with. They know the pain, the brokenness. I had one that was so pathetic that it broke me. A 14-year-old girl who had been raped first when she was nine and again when she was 12. And her father said, you must have caused it. And I'm thinking, what kind of father is that? That girl is damaged. But the only person who can reach out to her is one who has gone through something. So I know that God is using the broken to repair the broken and restore. This leads me to what I want to anchor it on. And then I can shut down. What the road less traveled meant for me, you know, what we're used to in the faith today is powerful person, person prays powerfully, ministers powerfully, prophetic. Those are the things that draw people, which is okay because that's part of who God is. But I feel the road less traveled is the place of intimacy. Because we think the way to the power is to pray, to do this. It's not gra-gra. The place of intimacy is the road less traveled. And that is the word for this season. God is drawing those to himself. The ones he's using are the ones who come to him. That's why it's so important. Don't come to God expecting that 
is the way you expect it should be. He will break you down before he will use you. And it's, you see, intimacy speaks of vulnerability. It speaks of being able to say, Lord, I learned early, you know, I joke, these two people, when they pray and they preach, you can wake them up, they'll be preaching and praying like me. And also, I just, I just have myself, very simple. I not get power. It's important to be comfortable in God. Be vulnerable. If I try to be like them, I will wound. You know, when Pastor Moons goes like, what you go, go? I can't shout. I just be, it's be just. And God will still get the job done. But many of us are not comfortable in who we are. And that's why we can't spend time with God. Because intimacy means you come to him, just drop everything and just be with him. That is the road less traveled. And that's what you need to go and get into. Become intimate with God. It's not in praying 10 hours. It's not in reading the Bible 10 hours. It's just in being there. Being open. Being vulnerable. Saying, Lord, I failed. I don't have power. You see, I learned to be very comfortable in who I am. Very. I will always celebrate my people. And I don't envy because I cannot be like them. I can only be the one God wants me to be. Then he can use me. But when you try to be who you are not, he can't use you because that's not where he sent you. You know, I will always say I'm not a preacher. I just speak from the heart. But you see, God used something to make me understand. I'm not a pub. If you know me, it's except you know me. I'm not one who likes to talk. Many people feel I'm unapproachable, I'm arrogant, I'm snobbish. Because if you don't know me, I'm reserved. But when you know me, they say, they didn't know I can talk. I can talk. Where, where? <laughs> but except you know me, you won't know. Or when I'm preaching, ah, that's a different story. It's God that helps me. But you see, I, I learned. God had to take me for a one-day program in London in our company about um, I, I missed one that was in Belgium for a week so they gave me a compensatory one it took me there to make me understand what he had done because what it is is about being speakers I, I work in public affairs so being able to speak on behalf of the company so they they, they give you a, a simulated situation where you're going to be addressing someone you know addressing people trying they give you a topic you try and convince people what they did was I was addressing like a community. They, they had planned it among themselves that there would be like protest. They even did placard. <laughs> I didn't know. So I'm there trying to convince, you know, scenario, situation. And they just brought up placards. No, you. And I was just becoming down, you know, just talking. So the, the guy told me later, he says, are you used to public speaking? I said, no, I've never done public speaking outside of what I do in church. He says, you are natural. He says, 
we literally believe what you're saying because the way you convey um, not passion but you convey genuineness it broke me because God had to take me out for a one day program to show me what he was doing with me so I understood thereafter that I need to be real I need to say it I don't say it if I don't feel it I have to un it has to be something I you know I because I only convey, so I cannot form. So if I don't know, I just tell you I don't know. That's just me. That's why I'm that way. Because God made me understand, you can only be effective for me if you open up and be yourself. I'm sharing things that even P.I. and Pastor will never have heard. Because I want you to understand. I want you to understand. I know what God wants to do. He wants to build people who he can use, who are real. David's mighty men, they didn't become like that overnight. God took them through a process. The one who was, when they came to him in the cave of Adullam, they were broken. They were in debt. They were deprived. They were everything negative. But they were men who now became one. You know, the one that I love the most is the one who sat, stood in a field of beans and killed 300 men. To protect beans. <laughs> but they're the same people. What can God do with you? What can't he do with you? It starts from the place of intimacy. That's what God is calling us back to. In that place, he molds. He shapes or as he said in Jeremiah, he will break, he will uproot, then he will plant and build. It's in that place. It's in that place that he recalibrates you. That's why worship is so intense for me. Just in the place of worship, God brings insights, deliverances for me. I'm my best when I'm just with him alone. I just break down. I cry anyhow. It's okay. I, I'm not ashamed. I cry here now if you don't take time. <laughs> I'm not trying to press anybody. But when you are open to God, he can use you. Yes. There are things we need to let go for him to be able to use us. And I'm trusting he will let them go in these two days. Let me wrap two scriptures. Isaiah 58, 12. Scripture about fasting. It says, the kind of fast I've called you to. It's not the one where you exact upon your servants. It's not the one where you behave badly. It's the one where you're open. Verse 12, it says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. It says you shall be called the repairer of the bridge, the restorer of streets to dwell in. The Amplified says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of buildings that have laid waste for many generations. And you shall be called repairer of the bridge, restorer of streets to dwell in. And the final scripture, 
is where Pastor Fred started from. That's why I was laughing. Amos 9. That what God is restoring is the tabernacle of David. What does that tabernacle speak of? You see, David wasn't who he was because he worshipped. He was who he was because he was intimate with God. I don't doubt that there are many psalmists who played better than him. But the issue was when he came, God honored what he did. That's why Saul, with this evil spirit in him, they were playing music too now. They were praying. They were doing everything. But when David came with his harp, the spirit will live. Because he was intimate with God and had the strength. That's why I say, bring yourself into that place of intimacy with God. That's where you will discover yourself. That's where you'll find who you are. That's where God will express himself to you. Daniel is my go-to prophet. Daniel was not brought up as a priest or as a prophet, but he was one who God downloaded answers to. The angel came to him and said, I have been sent to bring you understanding because you are beloved. The friends of God are the ones who he reveals himself to. It's only those who are intimate with him that he reveals himself to. Find your space. I want to stir some waters this morning and bring you into that place. But it is what you do on your own that matters. It's what you do that matters. That's why I started from laying our hearts before God. Just shut your eyes. There's water in this place today. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.